Franklin, Tennessee. One of the principal cities of the Nashville metropolitan area, it has a population of about 80,000 residents. It was established on October 26, 1799 by Abram Maury Jr. and was named after one of America's founding fathers, Benjamin Franklin. In 2017, Franklin was ranked as the eighth fastest growing city in the country, and upon visiting it, it's easy to see why. In addition to its proximity to Nashville, it's home to a number of thriving businesses and Fortune 500 companies, many of which are in the healthcare industry. The summers are hot, but the area is a beautiful place to live, with stretches of greenery interspersed with quaint shops and restaurants. Franklin is also home to a local toy and sci-fi convention called the Imperial Commissary Collectors Convention, better known as the ICCC. In 2017, Michael Havens, the creator of the Imperial Commissary, the largest Star Wars toy collecting group on Facebook, walked out of the Star Wars Celebration Chicago Orlando convention with a lofty goal. He wanted to put on his own convention, centering around the best aspects of our hobby, and make it affordable for families in the process. His hope was to shine a light on the Nashville region and to give collectors, cosplayers, sci-fi and fantasy fans, as well as the friends he's made over the past few years, an opportunity to visit the area he calls home, where they could hunt for toys, make new friends, meet actors, authors, and designers who played a part in the films and figures that highlighted their childhoods. Building a convention from an idea to an enormous reality is a feat unto itself. The scope, the time, and the money needed for something of this magnitude is beyond comprehension for most people. But Mike did it. He put his all into creating the first one, and he had some wonderful people helping him along the way. Mike first shared his dream for it with me in the winter of 2017 with a simple text that read, ICCC. And as the new year progressed, he found his venue, a 175,000-square-foot rodeo arena that he would convert into the ICCC. He was able to lock down Star Trek's original Captain Kirk, William Shatner, and a number of actors who appeared in the Star Wars films over the past 40 years to appear and sign autographs and meet fans. And last year's weekend in Nashville was a blast. Many of us who traveled to the area stayed in the same hotel, and it was one of those trips I'll never forget. It's amazing how fast a year can pass. With the summer nearing its finale, and almost a third of the way into September, I found myself staring out a tiny oval window, thousands of feet up and among the clouds. The airplane began its descent, and its dark silhouette ran parallel across the land below me. I could make out the patterns of residential neighborhoods, then the houses themselves, and then the cars and the people standing outside of them. This is the second annual Imperial Commissary Collectors Convention. This is a return to the Nashville area for an incredible weekend of everything that makes the hobby special and the people that naturally go along with it. And this is Star Wars Prototypes and Production. Minutes after my plane touched down on southern soil, I walked out of the airport terminal, and at the same time, a crisp, royal blue truck pulled up to meet me. This is the same way the Nashville trip began for me last year, and I wouldn't want it to happen any other way. In the driver's seat was Kyle Rose. He jumped out of the car to greet me and to help me with my suitcases. Kyle and I first met at the Cincinnati Toy Show in the fall of 2017. We wound up talking about Star Wars and life in general for over an hour, and we became friends almost instantly. And that happens a lot in this hobby. 
A lot of the people I've met share the same heart and the same yearning for solid connections and for lasting relationships. Kyle is based in the Cincinnati area, where the toy company Kenner created the Star Wars figures and playsets that we love. Over the years, he has developed a deep appreciation for the company and many of the lines it produced. And as someone who has met with many of the former employees who still live in the area, Kyle has built bonds with them that go beyond the toys. To be able to discuss things like fishing, family, and core life experiences with the people responsible for the toys of your childhood is a blessing. And those blessings are plentiful in Cincinnati. And since Kyle lives in Ohio and I'm from New Jersey, we weren't able to spend much time hanging out in person. But we kept in touch regularly by phone and over social media. Last year, Kyle and I decided to room together in Nashville for the first ICCC show, and we really just had the best time together. In fact, I would say we decided to room together for this year's show about the week we got home from the last one. At its essence, going to each show or convention gives all of us who are collectors and friends an excuse to spend time with one another. And Kyle and I had been anticipating this one for a while. Of all the meetups throughout the year, the Nashville trip is the closest thing to the summer camp of our youths. Most collectors stay in the two hotels that share the same parking lot and are literally a few yards from each other. The weather is exceedingly hot, and we wake up each morning and run down to the hotel lobby to eat breakfast together. We spend the days at the convention and then head back to the hotels to hang out inside and outside until the early hours of the morning. Shorts and t-shirts, and our camp logo is Star Wars. And just like camp, with each moment in Nashville, the drips and rhythms of our daily lives seem to ebb further and further, and for a weekend, we become kids again. Kids who can legally drink and will spend hundreds and thousands of dollars on pieces of cardboard and plastic, but kids nonetheless. And if something like Nashville could offer you even a few minutes of your childhood again, wouldn't you jump at the chance to open that door and go back? And for Kyle and me, when September came and that door opened, we returned to camp. We pulled into the street on which our hotel was located and passed the Tupelo Honey Cafe. The cafe was the first spot Kyle and I had stopped at when we arrived last fall, and it was a destination we were determined to revisit at some point today for a southern-style meal. It was hard to believe a year had gone by since we were first here, but the weather was the same this time around, the sky just as blue, and it felt like someone had pressed the pause button on the town of Franklin, Tennessee the day we left to go home on that first trip. But as we approached our hotel, it was like someone pushed the play button again, and the town as we remembered it suddenly came to life. We were staying at the Cool Springs Residence Inn by Marriott. The hotel resided in a quaint but updated and built-up part of town, and many restaurants and shops were either in walking distance or were a few miles' drive from where we were standing. The modern brick facades gave the area a clean look, an almost elegant take on what felt like a college town. The Residence Inn shared a parking lot with another Marriott hotel, the Courtyard by Marriott. They were only a few yards from one another, and it was fun to wander into each one during the nighttime parts of the trip. Whether it was another collector, or a Kenner designer, or even an actor from Star Wars films old and new, you never knew who you'd be hanging out with each time, and you were never more than a few hundred feet from some sort of hangout. We attempted to check into our room, but the woman behind the desk told us it wasn't ready quite yet. That's what happens when the hotel is fully booked and people check out late, she said, empathizing with us. Why don't we head over to Walgreens and by the time we're done shopping, our room will be ready, Kyle suggested. You know you're going to want to go to Walgreens. He was right. I love Walgreens. I go every Sunday and walk each aisle looking for items on sale or ones heavily discounted at clearance. It's one of my favorite places to shop. However, after the first few months of shopping at the Walgreens near my home, I realized why I keep coming back week after week, and it made me laugh. Walking each and every aisle in search of a great find is similar to what we collectors do at toy shows and at flea markets. 
So for the first half hour I spend after church hunting for bargains through rows of toothpaste and vitamins, through snacks and candy, and through household items, I'm putting my toy hunting skills to use. So we drove to Walgreens with the intent of buying some bottled water and some snacks for the room. And instead we spent $100. Seriously, it probably would have been a sounder idea to send two nine-year-olds in there to shop for enough food and drinks for what amounted to a long weekend. But we did it. We bought anything we thought we needed and bought a lot of it. Two 24-packs of bottled water, Gatorade, granola bars for the convention, Doritos, two packs of Walgreens chocolate chip cookies, two packs of oatmeal raisin cookies, mouthwash, a case of Corona because Kyle magically had limes with him, two packs of Hostess chocolate cupcakes, a a bag of Reese's peanut butter cups, you should be seeing a trend here, and since Walgreens was already selling Halloween candy during the second week of September, one of those fun-sized bags of different Hershey's chocolates that parents dutifully dole out to an entire neighborhood of trick-or-treaters. Okay, so maybe two nine-year-olds did do the shopping after all. A hundred dollars. We were proud of our purchases, though. We were happy. This was vacation, and if you can't loosen up and eat like an extra on the set of a Willy Wonka film while you're on vacation, is it really vacation? Plus, we knew we were eating breakfast each morning in the hotel lobby, and we'd go out for lunch and dinner. But our room? Candytown. And the rest of the essentials, mouthwash, granola bars, and bottled water. Our room still wasn't ready by the time we returned. The afternoon was starting to skim by and I still hadn't eaten lunch. I was starving. While we waited, Kyle and I borrowed a luggage cart from the hotel and wheeled it out to his truck. We filled it with our suitcases and plastic bins of the toys we brought to sell at room sales. As we pushed the cart back into the hotel, the woman at the door cheerfully shouted, Your room is ready. You can go up now. At 3.30 in the afternoon, a clean and ready room isn't really an accomplishment, especially when the hotel has been sold out for the past four months. But what a room it was. Last year, Kyle and I stayed in one of the standard rooms, which had a bedroom with a queen-size bed and a common room with a couch that turned into a bed. And that was fine for us. I took the pullout and slept quite well on it. And when our good friend and modern prototype collector Anthony Pagano joined us for the night of the room sales, we told him to bring an air mattress with him so he'd have a place to sleep. We did not expect him to purchase a king-sized air mattress. But that night was one of the most fun, memorable ones of any trip I can remember. Anthony showed up with a sedan full of modern Star Wars prototypes to sell at the room sales. So much so that we had to use two luggage carts to bring everything from his car to the room sales. In fact, we kept one of the carts in our room that night, and between my fold-out couch bed, Anthony's king-sized air mattress, and the cart full of prototypes, we used up almost every inch of floor space. And during last year's trip, we stopped by the room my space sister Robin Bokro was sharing with her mother Bernice. The corner suites were some of the larger rooms in the hotel, and this one had two separate bedrooms, each with a king or queen-sized bed, as well as its own closet and bathroom. The hotel room also had a common space similar to the ones the regular rooms had. Full kitchen with a refrigerator, microwave, and sink, and drawers filled with utensils and plates and each room came with a small dining table with four chairs. Kyle and I took one look at Robin's room, and we said to each other, we're getting a suite next year. And we did. We walked in and surveyed our home base for the next few days. Kyle took the room on the left, and he gave me the larger room on the right. Kyle is one of the most selfless people I know, and he gives joyously, and with his heart. We brought our bags into our respective rooms, putting items away so they wouldn't crowd the common area, and once we were done filling our refrigerator with the spoils of our Walgreens trip, we headed out to eat. We left Kyle's truck in the parking lot and walked over to the Tupelo Honey Cafe. It was a restaurant nestled within a prominent building within the development, on a welcoming street corner you have to pass as you drive through the neighborhood. 
Marked by lemon yellow awnings and with an umbrella-laden patio for outdoor diners, the Tupelo Honey Cafe serves a mix of southern-style comfort food and has an impressive bar that stretches the length of the restaurant. Kyle had eaten previously, so he ordered a brisket taco from the happy hour menu. I was lunch deficient, so I ordered the cafe's signature dish, the honey-dusted fried chicken platter with mashed potatoes and vegetables. As with most vacations, the hours and days leading up to leaving can be pretty hectic, and this meal was the first time in a while that I was sitting down, finally able to relax. And during this late lunch verging on early bird dinner, Kyle and I were able to catch up for a bit. Kyle is a blessing in my life. If it weren't for Star Wars and for collecting, I don't think we would have ever met. Last year's Nashville trip was the first time we roomed together, and it was honestly one of the best experiences I can remember. I was sick with a sinus infection to the point where I had to leave the convention early and almost wasn't able to fly home, and yet I wouldn't risk changing a thing if I had the chance, simply because it was one of those fun, crazy weekends I'll never forget. When we finished eating, we walked back to the hotel, got into Kyle's truck, and headed to see our friend and fellow collector, Matt George. Kyle and I offered to help Matt set up his booth at ICCC during the upcoming weekend, and we were happy to have him join us for this year's Nashville experience. For whatever reason, Matt booked his hotel at the last minute. The three main hotels where most of us were residing sold out months ago, so he was staying by himself about a mile away on the ground floor of a motel. I can't remember the first time I met Matt, but I'm guessing it was years ago. And among collectors, consistency is the best catalyst for building friendships. Show up enough times and around the same people, and friendships will emerge on their own. By the time you consciously realize you're friends with someone, you most likely will have to acknowledge you became friends long before that, at some point along the way. A year ago, I hung out with Matt at Kyle's place during the Cincinnati Toy Show weekend, and this year we spent time at Celebration Chicago together and really bonded a few weeks before Nashville at the annual. Matt and I spent an epic final night of the annual with a few other friends as we recorded what was supposed to be a 20-minute roundtable discussion in my hotel room, which turned into a two-hour podcast conversation followed by a late-night trip to a diner, ending with a recreation of Michael Jackson's Thriller Dance in front of the hotel entrance at 2.30 that morning. The annual was a memorable time. In fact, one of my favorite collector's trips ever, and Matt was a big part of what made it special. Collectors often joke that you start out collecting toys, and then the toys take a back seat as you start collecting friendships. But it's true. And when it comes to friendships that emerge from a shared interest in collecting Star Wars toys and prototypes, trust is a key element. And the importance of trust is something I've learned from Kyle and from Matt. We pulled around the back of the motel. Matt was standing outside next to a large white passenger van. He was in the middle of a conversation with two gentlemen that were having a beer and nosily hanging around. As Kyle walked past them, they began to ask questions about some of the stuff Matt had. And while it might have been out of innocent curiosity, it made me uncomfortable. If you're setting up for a show, you're bound to have some items of value. And if you're Matt, you've definitely come prepared to sell. I had no idea what he had brought with him to Nashville, but I knew it wouldn't be things he'd want to broadcast in the parking lot of a somewhat precarious motel. Our two new friends stuck around for a bit, asking us if we had any valuable rocks. This made me laugh a little bit. Yes, I thought to myself, probably the most expensive rocks you've ever seen. Some of Matt's boxes were marked with the words like sculpt and hard copies. At some point, they grew tired or bored or both and just vanished. Still, I didn't want anyone knowing what Matt had, or where it was, so I suggested he give some of the more valuable boxes to us to keep in our hotel room for the night. Before leaving his room for the night, Matt wanted a shower. You guys can go through the boxes and see if there's anything you want, he said as he rounded up a fresh pair of clothes and his towel. Kyle and I surveyed the room. There were boxes on the floor, on the bed, on the kitchen counter, and on the areas around the sink. There were some on the floor of the open closet, and neither of us had any idea what was in any of them. For collectors, this is the closest thing to heaven. As Kyle began to go through the first few boxes of prototypes, I thought about the moment, 
How amazing it was that our friend went into that bathroom with no concern whatsoever and left us to explore the treasures he brought with him. Not that he had any reason to worry. Again, that bond of trust is the strongest and most important bond you can have in a community like this. And when you have good people who value friendships over items, you can truly count on them and trust them with anything. In March of this year, I drove to Columbus, Ohio for a toy show, and I met up with Kyle. I handed off almost my entire loose figure collection to him. I was selling it off, and since he was driving to Celebration Chicago the following month, he offered to take it there for me. I could have never taken all of it on the plane, and was so thankful for his kindness. After Celebration, he took it back to his home, and it stayed with him until we met up again in Nashville. And throughout all these months, I never thought about the fact that a valuable chunk of my collection was with Kyle. Well, that's not totally true. I would think about it every so often, but I would always smile and would be comforted by the thought that a dear friend of mine was kindly holding and protecting these pieces. I never worried about it, never checked in on them, because I didn't have to. And this hobby sometimes brings out the worst in people. The greed, the backstabbing, the viciousness... But it also asks each person to step up and to decide what type of person they really are and who they want to be. And as a result, the ones who genuinely care for others, whose word is truly worth something, and whose character stands for the values we all look for in those we would call friends, they're the ones that when you find them and become friends with them, it means more than any piece of rare plastic, resin, wax, or cardboard you could ever possess. So as Matt showered, Kyle and I went through boxes in a methodical manner, putting items aside to ask about prices. I flipped through a series of proof sheets and box flats while Kyle dug into some of the dusty boxes on the small table across from the bed, and we reported our findings to each other. And we repaid Matt's trust with a care for items in each box, making sure to not only put the pieces back neatly, but to make sure they were protected from being damaged in transit. Within a half hour, Matt came out of the bathroom, dressed and fully showered. While he and Kyle discussed a potential purchase, I went through some of his modern Star Wars prototypes. He had first shots of some of the Episode I figures, and a handful of them were in the same colors. I dug deeper into the box in front of me, combing through a handful of oddly colored Power the Force II prototypes. Matt also had a grouping of Kenner and Hasbro presentation boards for the lines stacked neatly on his bed and with many early concept art pieces. We soon finished, returned the boxes to their original places within Matt's room, and headed to our final destination for the evening. Nashville's own Trent and Corey Bailey invited us to their home for a pre-ICCC meetup, in which we'd have the opportunity to hang out with other longtime friends and early arrivers, and we'd get a glimpse into Trent's amazing collection. Up to that point, I had seen photos of it, but was excited to finally see it in person. As Kyle pulled into Trent Street, I was surprised at how dark it was. I don't recall seeing streetlights along either side of the pathway, and it was hard to make out the house numbers that adorned the mailboxes. Trent had posted a daytime photo of his house for us to find it more easily, but with the sun already down, it was nearly impossible to pick it out of the lineup of the almost uniform row homes. A red door and a sole porch light helped, so we parked down the street and walked toward what we assumed was the Bailey house. We approached the front steps and could hear the din of the group inside. After spending time with Trent and Corey across a number of the more memorable trips from this year, I was really thankful to be able to visit them, and to be welcomed as a guest into their home. Corey greeted us at the door, and as I stepped through the threshold, I became a little anxious. It sounds strange, but I always feel this way in crowds. A little overwhelmed, and the anxiety rides up over my head like a wave that's about to crest. But seeing everyone I knew standing around the kitchen laughing and talking quelled that feeling almost immediately. I gave a quick wave to each friend I recognized. It felt like one of those Christmas gatherings large families have, and coming from a family with over 400 cousins, I felt right at home. The Bailey home has a warmth to it, a mix of modernity and coziness that is intentional and is masterful in its design. 
The house is longer front to back than it is wide, and the kitchen and living rooms are connected as one open and welcoming space. Along the wall to our left was an enormous blue vinyl banner that was taller than me and stretched just as wide. It was an image of a blue-bordered trading card from the 1980s and featured the Ewok wicket in its center. The banner was displayed at celebration at the booth where Warwick Davis, the child actor who portrayed the lovable fuzzy creature in Return of the Jedi, was signing autographs. Oh yeah, Trent and Corey are big fans of Wicked. We'll, we'll get to that. Corey took the three of us into the study to the left, just past the banner. The study is her home office when she is not traveling to other states as her job requires. It also houses the earliest examples of her wicked obsession, as she showed us a basket of the Ewok figures that she began collecting and adding to years ago, and simply never stopped. When that basket began to overflow, she started another bin of wickets, and now has literally hundreds of them. I don't think I've ever seen so many of one figure in one location before, and it was immensely impressive. As Matt and Kyle walked ahead of me into the kitchen, Trent appeared through the crowd. Come upstairs and I'll give you a tour of the collection room before it gets too busy in here, he whispered to me. Trent's collection was housed in a room at the top of the stairs, at one end of a long hallway. Facing us was a large screen television against the back wall, and it was playing the original Star Wars film. On the wall on the right were five Ikea Billy display cases, and each shelf had a group of toys from a different 1980s or 1990s toy line. Boxes of playsets from the Planet of the Apes lined the tops of the cases. On the left wall, there were the same amount of displays, but these held collectibles from only one toy franchise, Star Wars. Lights on the inside of the cases illuminated carded and loose figures, playsets, one-of-a-kind pieces, and prototypes. Each shelf flashed a myriad of colors, from the unique tans and grays of the vehicles and playsets, to the blues and yellows found in some of the prominent Empire Strikes Back figures, to the reds and greens in the Return of the Jedi characters, and in the pastel color schemes of many of the droids and Ewoks runs. But among the multitude of Star Wars figures, the one character that was most prominently represented was the most famous Ewok himself, Wicket W. Warwick. For Trent and Corey, Wicket was the common link that connected them in their love for Star Wars and for collecting. Hunting Wicket items was something they did together, as a couple, and they were the rare and blessed exception in our hobby. So these pieces were not only exciting to see because of their rarity and in the way they were curated, but because of what they represented. I love Trent and Corey, and when I saw their shared Wicket focus, I saw their bond, their passion for collecting, and their commitment to one another and the shape of their combined hearts. Trent and Corey had the meetup catered, and they couldn't have picked a better restaurant from which to do so. Hattie B's is a Nashville-based restaurant that made its debut in 2012 and was created by Nick Bishop and his son, Nick Jr. Its specialty is what's known as hot chicken, one that is breaded and boneless and marinated in a hot paste or sauce, and the breading is spiced as well for a deeper heat. Hattie B's offers six different heat levels for customers, covering everything from mild all the way to one called Shut the Cluck Up. And in addition to a series of trays of chicken, the Baileys had some of Hattie B's delicious sides, like fries, coleslaw, baked beans, and mac and cheese. As I ate, I did a double take at the sight of a familiar face. Brian Angel, one of the kindest and vivacious collectors in the hobby, and really one of the nicest people I've ever met, appeared out of nowhere. Brian lives in sunny California and was not supposed to be coming to Nashville for the weekend. I had seen him two weeks earlier at a meetup called The Annual in Fishkill, New York, and when it finally sunk in that he was standing in the Bailey's kitchen, I gave him a huge hug. He explained to us that he was able to get away at the last minute and didn't tell Mike, or many others for that matter, that he would be attending the ICCC. He picked up a VIP pass on the sly, using the alias Mark Sargent instead of his own name to throw Mike off. Mark Sargent is the name of a kooky flat-earth truther that was recently spotlighted in the Netflix documentary Behind the Curve. 
Showing up unannounced to surprise a friend like Mike is just something Brian Angel does, and he always seems to make life a little more special for those around him. It's the type of kindness fitting for his surname, and it was a gesture that I knew would touch Mike very deeply. Trent's in a local cover band called the Spasmatics, known for their Revenge of the Nerd-style costumes, and they really are gifted musicians who make each performance fun and energetic. While I ate my plate of Hattie B's goodness, I motioned over to the guitar racks on the wall of the living room. I asked Trent to play a little something, because I've always wanted to hear him play guitar. And as a guitar player myself, it's always nice to see what someone can do with a six-string. Trent then went into playing licks and riffs from songs we all know, and songs most of us have grown up with, like AHA's Take On Me. Others in the room began calling out rock anthems that have become staples, like Free Bird, Sweet Home Alabama, and Sweet Child of Mine, and Trent played every one to perfection. It was fun to watch him switch between songs effortlessly, and he was not only able to mimic each song's guitar tone, but he captured its essence as well. Being able to spend time with Trent at his house gave me the opportunity to see him in a different light. Many times over social media and through quick conversations during the day, Star Wars collectors tend to talk about Star Wars. It makes sense. It's what connected us in the first place, and it's a topic we like to discuss with our friends who share that same interest. But to see what his home is like, and how he displays his collection, and to be able to see his interests and talents outside the realm of Star Wars, was a great way to get to know him on a deeper level. For the rest of the night, I found myself floating from room to room, picking at the fried chicken in between conversations. Some of the best moments happened in that kitchen, laughing with people I rarely see throughout the year. And during that night, I was able to spend some time with Duncan and Ann Jenkins and learned more about what they collect. Ann's focus is a series of dolls and accessories based around the titular character Dawn, a more realistic and fashionably dressed brunette than her blonde counterpart Barbie. The Dawn line ran from 1969 to 1971, but in that short time, many elegant accessory outfits were produced and the Dawn figure displays and banners that adorn the stores during that time period are coveted by collectors today. Like Corey and Trent, Anne and Duncan collect together, and that historical hunting and archaeology is one of the bonds that make their relationship so special. Duncan collects all things Star Wars, from the domestic collectibles that many of us grew up with to the international and prototype pieces that a lot of us now covet as adults. Duncan spoke at a panel highlighting his collection at the annual, and in addition to being a fascinating look at his museum-like collection, it also showed his deadpan, dry sense of humor that made the presentation intensely funny. I first met Ann and Duncan over a year ago, and getting to know them and spend time with them in places like Nashville makes each trip worthwhile. Toward the end of the night, I headed outside to the Bailey's back porch, as some of the guys from the Georgia Alliance of Star Wars Collectors were taking a cigarette break. Justin Haney, Glenn Williams, and Jason T.K. Sparrow Kane were in the middle of a conversation, and the amber glow from the porch light illuminated each of them just enough that I could see their faces. I've known Justin and a few of the Georgia members for a year or so, but I've only recently gotten to see what an amazing group of people they are. Two weeks ago at the annual, Justin and his wife Jen came up to New York with Narayan Nayak and Blake Morgan, and they really added so much to what had been an amazing event. Often, people are watching what we say or do and how we act, even when we don't realize it. And for months, I've seen Justin as a positive force within the hobby. Every post he makes or contributes to is one in which he's edifying others, celebrating with them at their highs or standing alongside of them at their lows. He brings an excitement and a joy to a community of collectors, and its natural instinct seems to lean toward bringing people into a circle rather than shutting them out. And he has all the traits of a leader, 
Not because he's looking to lead, but because he puts others first and makes a conscious effort to represent his group to the best of his ability. And really, the same could be said for Narayan, Glenn, Jason, Jen, and Blake. Jason is a representative of the 501st Legion, a cosplay group that dresses up like characters from Star Wars and visits children in hospitals and raises money for various causes. It's a community that strives for greatness, both in the way that they portray the heroes and villains from the Star Wars films and in how they can positively affect those around them. For this year's ICCC, he dressed as a cross between a stormtrooper and Captain Jack Sparrow from the Pirates of the Caribbean films. Hence the name T.K. Sparrow. Narayan is the king of incredible swag. Items like patches and buttons that are made specifically for events like ICCC and are handed out to other collectors and friends as a way of personalizing a meetup. It's a simple way to connect with strangers, and that's exactly how I first met Narayan two years ago. I was at Star Wars Celebration in Orlando and was attending my first collector's meetup. I didn't realize how big of a role swag played at gatherings like this, and was bowled over by the kindness of those who offered their creations to me. I introduced myself to Narayan, and when he found out it was my first event, he offered me much more than I ever deserved. I told him I didn't have anything to give him in return, and he smiled, waved it off, and then proceeded to give me every type of card back and button and patch that he had made, and then gave me extras to trade to others so I wouldn't feel left out. That gesture of kindness stayed with me for the next two years, and when it came time for this year's celebration in Chicago, I had created six different buttons and had extras to give to any first-timers, in hopes of making them feel like Narayan had made me feel. Again, we often do not consider how the little things we say and do can affect others, but just know that a single act of kindness can create a ripple effect that can change the scope and direction of someone's life immeasurably, and for years to come. When looking back on the history of the Georgia Alliance of Star Wars Collectors Club, I think this year will stand out as the one in which the group began its rapid ascent into becoming one of the highlights of the Star Wars community, with a rapidly expanding member base and a family-like culture that surrounds it. And although I live hundreds of miles from the Peach State, I feel as close to the group as I would if I were a resident of the great city of Atlanta. And that type of connection is simply made possible by the people who have banded together and work every day to make the Georgia Alliance a group worthy of the state's other nickname, the Empire State of the South. As our time at the Belly Home was winding down, we all found ourselves back upstairs in Trent and Corey's collection room. So it's about 11.40, and I am here. I'm sitting in one of the coolest collection rooms I've sat in in a long time, and I'm in the collection room of a Mr. Trent Belly, a wonderful dear friend of mine who uh, we got to hang out last, was it two weeks ago? Yep, two weeks, two weekends ago. Two weekends ago at, at the annual uh, in Fishkill, New York, and now... We are sitting together in his collection room in Nashville, Tennessee. Trent, how you doing? I'm doing great. This is um, these kind of weekends or these kind of nights are the culmination of what collecting is all about. You know, getting your friends together in a place that may be foreign to them, um, but at the same time, is it there's nothing about it that's foreign. Like this room is filled with toys that we all played with. We all. Um, you know, hunt for, but we all come together in a place that we're not familiar with. Um, and we get to, you know, it's almost, um, it's almost like taking communion together (laughs) Yeah, in a strange way to think about it. But, but, um, I'm doing great, man. I'm like happy to have people around, you know, it's not too often that we get, you know, people from our, you know, friend group, collector groups to come to Nashville. And so it's, um, it's a blessing in that, in that sense to have everybody under the same roof for a night at least. And, it, this was really cool because um, this was sort of a pre-ICCC kickoff and uh, that, that Trent and Corey uh, are graciously hosting, and they welcomed us into their home. Um, they had uh, they had dinner by... Hattie B's Hot Chicken, a Nashville original. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's, this was the first time I've had it. I've wanted to try it for a long time. Uh, Brock Walker had some wonderful things to say about it uh, last year, I think, and I was like, i, I got to get to Hattie B's one day, yeah. so... Well, let's also remember that Brock also had a lot of wonderful things to say about Surge. 
And that is true. Brock Walker is the biggest fan of Surge, and I, I think he uh, he picks it up whenever it's available, so that he never runs out of it. Yeah, from what I understand, he actually went to a convenience store earlier today and like bribed the lady behind the counter to go in the back and get a, a fresh case for him. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it's almost like going to Toys R Us during like the '90s when yes. Power of the Force Two came out, and you had to like slide a couple 20s under into the employees' pockets to get some fresh cases of Power of the Force 2 beefy figures to come out. Yeah, and we are not joking about Surge. Like, most of you may not remember Surge. Most, most of you might not know what Surge is, and most the most of you that do might remember it as being uh, a, a soda that was kind of like Mountain Dew and kind of popular in the 90s. Basically, it was a um, dental abscess or a tooth <laughs> infection. Sure. In a can, so, um, but Brock has you know kept the spirit alive for many years. Uh, Brock's a good friend from actually not too far down the road from here. He's about two hours away in Kentucky. So, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, he's here tonight enjoying some hot chicken as a, as well as uh, sweet David Quinn here and a few <laughs> other uh, close friends that have made the the journey into town a little bit earlier than some other people. But and this is really one of the coolest things about the ICCC. So Mike Havens put together a show, uh, had everybody, you know, and, and just opened it up to everyone and said, you know, come down, we're going to all get together. And what's been kind of nice is we have this, there's been kind of this, this culture kind of happening around it where we have things like the room sales leading into it. Um, even something like this, which, you know, Trent, I don't know if you did this last year, but no, is this your first time? Yeah, we, so last year uh, it was a, it was the first year of the convention, obviously. Um, and also we were just kind of in a, we were, uh, moving and we kind of been in a, in a, it was a different time for us. We weren't able to prepare anything ahead of time, but you know, this year we had some time ahead of, ahead to kind of get some, get a game plan going, get people over. You know, like I said, it's not every day you get all your friends in your town. You know, you have to kind of wait, and every once in a while, maybe one person comes in for a meeting or mm-hmm. comes in for on vacation. You get to see him for a little while, but you know, this is a weekend where we get to have a lot of people under the same roof in our hometown. So. Um, yeah, this was our first year doing it, but we we knew, um, especially after the annual in New York um, and after celebration, we knew like it's almost like a call to arms that we need to, you know, get everybody together. Mm-hmm. If we're all going to be here, we need to be together. Um, and you know that that sense of community is the biggest thing. And if you've heard this podcast or other podcasts before, um, you always will hear how important the community aspect of collecting is. And this is just a kind of just goes to that as well. You know, so we opened our house up, had people come over. You know, it, it's what it's all about. So it's pretty amazing too what what you said. And I didn't even realize this, but if any of us as collectors, if we had tried to. If we just sent out an invite and tried to have all of our friends um, come over, you know, and just kind of hang out at our house, it would be virtually impossible because we all live in different states. Some people come from different countries and, and, and different, you know, areas, whatever. And because of the ICCC this weekend, we're all here in Nashville. And so to be able to stop at, at Trent's home and to hang out and to be joined by people like, oh, look, it's Justin Haney. What a How are you doing, Justin? How's everybody doing tonight? <laughs> Yeah, so we're just uh, just hanging out, just just talking about um, the meetup at Trent's house and and his amazing collection. Man, this collection room just brings back memories. Every line is present here. Every memorable line, every toy, whole wall of Star Wars. It's just uh, did a fantastic job here, man. Very well, well, well represented. Yeah, so to paint a quick picture, when you walk in, um, facing you is this large screen TV that's playing uh, A New Hope right now. Um, and then the wall on the left has, is it four or five? One, two, three, five. Five full cases, one half case of Star Wars. Yeah, so they're, they're, they're five full cases, but they're the Billy cases, right? Billy yeah, cases? Yeah, Ikea style. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they all have uh, black walls or black uh, interior Backdrop, yeah. the backdrops. And, um, and each one is, is lit beautifully, and it, it, each shelf covers a different aspect of Star Wars, and that's on the left-hand side. And then on the right-hand side... Uh, it's the same number of, of cabinets, and they each each shelf kind of houses, or each grouping of shelves houses a different line. So one entire cabinet's focused on GI Joe. The next one is half of it's Ghostbusters. The second half is Power Rangers, Gargoyles, and Batman. Then uh, the the one of the middle ones has uh, the the Turtles from the '80s, late '80s, early '90s, and then it's Robin Hood, Swamp Thing, and Batman. Uh, Batman being the Michael Keaton one from yeah. okay, 
and then uh, Masters of the Universe, uh, the 80s version, and then the 90s version. Yep. Um, what's under that? Um, from there, it's Computer Warriors, which was actually a very um, short-lived toy line. Um, they only had a pilot episode of a TV show. It was another episode, or another instance where Mattel was trying to put out a toy line and turn it into a TV show, so turn it into a phenomenon in mm-hmm. another way, uh, build it around a toy. Um, it's a very cool property. It's very much Tron meets like a cartoon, mm-hmm. um, but it's a um, kind of a rare toy. You actually see a lot of it in overstock because it didn't sell very well, um, but it's something that I remember vividly having as a kid. And what I've tried to do with this room is have at least a piece. Um, every cabinet has something that I had a, as a kid. Mm-hmm. So the Star Wars side, you know, I had tons of stuff. But um, on the other side, I had, you know, I had a smattering of Joes. I had a, a handful of gargoyles. I had a bunch of Batman stuff. But at least one thing out of every shelf is something I had as a kid. Um, and so as I've grown older had uh, exposable income I've been able to add in pieces here and there that I didn't have mm-hmm. so this the room itself is built on the foundation of what I had as a kid what I enjoyed but I've been able to expand upon as an adult um, and you know you, you never you only grow old if you let yourself grow old <laughs> yeah. and so the the idea behind this room is if I'm having a tough day at work or in personal life or anything, I can come up here. I can put a movie on. I can look left and see friends. I can look right and see family, mm-hmm. you know, and then, you know, I can kind of have that Zen moment, if you will. Yeah. Um, and so I've tried to represent everything that had a part in my childhood um, and even some that didn't. So, like, I have a, I have a, a small um, collection of Brave Star toys. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll be honest with you, the reason I have Brave Star toys is because the, the intro music is just awesome. <laughs> Brave Star. You know, just um, sometimes things um, hit you in different ways that uh, affect you. And so either it's musical or thematic or... Um, even just the animation in some cases. Um, so I, I have a whole shelf of Rocketeer. That was, I remember vividly being, I guess, I guess that came out in 91, 92, mm-hmm. somewhere around there. Um, and I remember vividly taking an old goalie hockey mask and <laughs> finding ways to like paint on or uh, paint on gold and then put fins on the back. And I remember running around the house pretending I was the Rocketeer. I'm sure I probably should have broke a leg or something jumping <laughs> off a bed but sure. luckily with my uh, strong you know young man bones i didn't do that but um yeah so the basic idea from this collection room was i wanted it to be a, a sanctuary mm-hmm. i wanted it to be a place where i could come and or Corey could come or anybody that was in town could come and feel safe you know we don't live in exactly in a world that is safe in general so i wanted to make this room that escape um, and it feels like that too. I mean, you have it so beautifully lit. It's very cozy, beautiful, kind of gray, you know, thick rug, and, and you have these these nice couches that we're sitting on. Um, Justin, what is what is a piece that you've seen from from this collection in these cases uh, that that you've admired or that stuck out to you tonight? Well, there's definitely but, a few. Which one are you going to steal, basically? <laughs> Oh, which one am I going to steal? Um, well, okay, which one has stuck out to you, and then which one would you like to take with you? So, uh, which one has uh, stood out to me is is honestly, um, and I haven't heard the story yet from Trent, is his uh, wonderfully curated Planet of the Apes collection. Um, I think in a room like this, uh, <clears throat> again, half the wall being Star Wars, the other half of the walls um, being you know a mixture of various toy lines, there's a reason why an entire case is dedicated to Planet of the Apes, and uh, it's the first thing you see when you walk in the room. And I don't know, to me, it's just very well done. I, I have to feel that there's a story there. Um, so I would like to hear that at some point. Yes, let's hear that story. Trent. So um, we're going to cut to the end of the story here. Planet of the Apes was actually my first love. Star Wars, even though that is kind of what has been built upon over the last several years, Planet of the Apes, um, I don't remember what the exact year was, but the first, um, my first exposure to science fiction mm-hmm. of any kind was Planet of the Apes. You know, my dad took me to um, disc jockey in Paducah, Kentucky, back when we still had CD stores. <laughs> um, and they just came out with the full five pack of VHS. And for kids, that's the one that you have to turn back with the finger and make sure that it's all in line before you play it. Um, I went really southern there. I guess it's the hot chicken getting in my head. There it is. But um, any case, um, they came out with the original five movies. These came out between 1968 and 1973. Um, 
these were the ultimate foray into science fiction. Um, the ideals of, you know, good versus bad, um, death versus life. Um, it was a yin and yang. Mm -hmm. So you had humans on the other side of the coin, you know, we were the animals. We were not the upper echelon of, you know, life as it speaks. Um, but regardless, my dad got me into that really early on. And as a kid, I was, you know, obviously when you're five or six years old, you're very, um, impressionable and you can, the first thing you see that makes an impression on you, you become attached to it. Mm -hmm. So Planet of the Apes was that for me. Um, and it wasn't until I got into my twenties that I got really serious about it. Um, and unfortunately Planet of the Apes wasn't very, um, vivid in terms of the, you know, portrayal in modern times. So after the sixties and seventies, it kind of died off a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, but I got really into the kind of the vintage aspects of it. A lot of stuff came out in 1974. Uh, Mego Corporation made original like eight inch figures and play sets. Um, but throughout the eighties and all the way through the two thousands, other companies made a lot of different toys. And so I tried to, um, kind of pay homage and respect to my dad in a sense by continuing a collection of those items. We, um, we've, we have a whole case, so it's like probably six levels worth of Mego or Medicom modern figures, um, even the newest reaction figures. I've got some prototypes, which are pretty cool. Um, Funko, um, you know, coloring books, uh, picture books, just about anything you can from Planet of the Apes. Um, and it all revolves back to my dad and the earliest um, exposure to science fiction. So that's kind of the story. But, you know, it's, it's, it was my first love. Star Wars may be my biggest love, but it was my first. And, and who is your current love? My current love is Brian Angel. <laughs> <laughs> I who, yeah, it is. who flew in all the way Damn from it. Nashville, ten, or from California to Nashville, Tennessee, because I personally invited him to the ICC. Because, but what about SDQ? I love... What about Bayless. STQ? Well, I, I was I was setting that up for you, Corey, and uh, no, he went with Brian I, I Angel instead. My sister. <laughs> you boys are his first. Actually, all three of you. I know that I joke a lot when you interview me for your sure. podcast and that you have and to have delete to 90, a lot of footage. 98%. 98.6. Then, but I do want to say something very serious right now because I you. think I love you too. I think that in the collecting domain, mm -hmm. it's important to remember that we're not collecting toys. We're collecting experiences. And we're collecting friends and love. The toys are like the basis of which that grows from, but that's what it's about. The toys are the seeds that we plant to make this happen and that's what's so cool about it because those seeds started when we were little kids mm -hmm. and as we've blossomed into this kind of love so has our love for the toys and the friends and the ultimately the experiences and so this is what it's all about and you know what i'll say it on air and for all the haters thank you michael havens there we Cheers go to that thank you that was uh, no but that was that was that was really sweet and and i think you know, we're sitting in a room that's full of full of toys, and we we love this stuff and everything like that. But this is an excuse for us to sit here and, and do a podcast. And, and the podcast is an excuse for us just to kind of sit and all hang out and just yeah. talk about what we love. And that, that's really what it is. And I, I hope you well, all feel like that too. So tonight, of course, this there's nothing going on for the convention tonight. This night was all about people. <laughs> this all was about getting everybody together, people that were in town already. You know. We, we say it a hundred times, if not 200 times, you know, the toys got us here, but the people bring us back. Mm -hmm. And that, that's what this night's about. We, and we had a wonderful meal. We had a, a good group of people that are, you know, vital to the community. And it's not just, you know, people that have, you know, we had some people that just kind of come and they linger. They have some people that come and they're like family members. You know, unfortunately, there's a lot of people that this is our family. You know, this isn't just, you know, Joe Schmo. This is people that we would take a bullet for. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, that's that's what this whole, that's what life's about in general. And so these kind of events just kind of, you know, kind of build that up a little bit. So tonight was about enjoying the hobby, enjoying uh, camaraderie, um, and living for now, if, if, if anything. So not to get too philosophical or, yeah, you know. Sure. I will add to that, sir. 
that there's been divides in the hobby. There's mm-hmm. been talk about the Facebook collector. There's been talk about the dealer, the so on and so on. Mm-hmm. However, what's been really cool over the last little while is that we are not seeing companies, meaning we are seeing friends. We're not seeing CAS. We're hanging out with Ross. Mm-hmm. We're not seeing the ICCCC. We're seeing Michael CCC. We're seeing Michael and his love for things. We're not seeing plastic and acrylic. Tom Derby's coming to hang out with us. The real Tom Derby, not the guy that signs the certificate. Mm-hmm. So I think that that is definitely a byproduct of the Facebook collector mm-hmm. um, integrating with the old school collector, creating an open arms atmosphere, which in 2019 exists as it never has before. And that's a huge thing to celebrate as we sit here today at the Baileys, brother and sister lovers. <laughs> it's immense. Cheers to that. It's yeah, it's definitely an immense thing. So, uh, I mean, I think to add to that, uh, we, I was talking with someone later to, or earlier tonight uh, about the same thing about the Facebook collector and something that at least Facebook has brought into it that Rebel Scum never had is it brought uh, personality. You know, as opposed to having just an obscure uh, uh, screen name and an obscure photo, now people friend each other and and, and outside of them posting what they have for sale or their latest pickup, uh, you can now see, you know, their family, their wives, what they do in their free time, the concerts they go to, the events they enjoy. And I think it I think that's one thing that Facebook really did that. uh that brought people more together is 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 through the groups. You friended people, and now you get a little glimpse into their personal life, and you get to see real connections with them as opposed to whatever new pickup they had or variation they found. Yeah, yeah. and w- when we have something like this too, I mean, it, it goes beyond just running into someone at celebration and just kind of we're talking about Star Wars on a, on a very superficial level. You actually get to really bond with each and every single person. I also think that um, I'm going to call somebody out in this room. He's hiding in the back corner of the room because he's shy. His name is Brock Walker. He's one of the most prolific Star Wars collectors in history. And uh, Wait, he's, he's waving to an audio podcast. He's so away perfect. Because he. Come, come in. Come on the podcast, come on. Brock. Come on. Let's come go. On. Come on. Well, no, 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 no. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Put your pants back on. No, that is crazy. No, ser- no, really. Put, put the okay. surge down. He's, he's waving his pants down. around. The underwear the is coming off. This is getting insane. I do have something serious to say. Yes. There are a number of people that have been chasing after things in the Star Wars fishbowl longer than the folks that joined from Facebook. Mm-hmm. Some of those folks are not very quick to accept new friends or share information or whatever. Mm -hmm. Brock is the opposite. I will say this, that Brock is one of those people that shares education. Mm -hmm. He shares friendship. He's a straightforward guy, Mm -hmm. which is not always possible. It's all lies. It's all lies. I'll tell you this, that um, some people make fun of your love for a character or a focus, or generally your love of Star Wars, right? It becomes about something different for them. Maybe it's ego, maybe it's really, they use Star Wars to define themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think there's a whole wave of people that are realizing that, you know, be be more like a Brock Walker. Can we spend Be more like the quiet guy in the side of the room. <laughs> who actually is got the big balls and doesn't need to swing them. He's talking about Mark Vanish right now. Can we talk about how he single-handedly destroyed the prototype market, though? Yes, no. yes let's actually, let's, let's. So, Brock, Brock Walker, Brock Walker. If you know, Brock Walker. So, I've done anything. So you have single-handedly destroyed the, proto- the vintage prototype market. No, you um, know what? That's not. That's not. I, I actually. I want to step it's, in. It's again. not. It's not. I don't just think you. it's a funny like joke. I personally don't think it's funny because, again, now I've collected Star Wars since I was five years old. No, no one. No, no. But that wait. But wait. When I came onto Facebook, people treated me like I had never heard of the word Star Wars. But there was a few people that didn't, and Brock was number one in line to go, hey, man, we share this affinity for R5-D4, and I have these special pieces, and let's talk about them and share them. And it wasn't about anything more than that, and then it turned into other things, but his ego never came in the room. 
And we can't say that about most of us. I can't even say that about myself. Cheers. Very cool. So, so, bro. It's cool. So, what what is what is currently your Brock? What is currently your favorite piece that you own that you can talk about? Uh, that either means something special to you or something that you just really like. That I can actually talk about. Yeah. Wow. Um, Tom's not here. It's okay. <laughs> your secret. Uh, probably right now my sweepstakes are. I, I don't know that it means anything to me personally from like a childhood standpoint, but the characters on it, Akbar, Nine, um, you know. Can, can you describe what what you mean by sweepstakes? Yeah, it's uh, the sweepstakes poster that uh, Kenner, you know, they did like a promotion for Return of the Jedi stuff in their sweepstakes, you know, win all kinds of prizes or whatever. Uh, they sent posters out to various stores or whatever to promote said sweepstakes. I own the original artwork for the actual poster. You know, it's all done in uh, marker or whatever. Uh, whenever the actual poster ended up just being real photos, and but the concept of it, where they drew everything in marker. So it's you know got Vader in the middle, real big, and you know Agbar on one side, Nineum on the other side, and yeah, this is probably my favorite thing right now. That is, that is really cool. And was that a recent pickup, or is that something you've had uh, for a while? Probably, I guess I've had it on four or five years now, maybe. Maybe not quite that long. About three years. Yeah, there you go. That one right there. Wow. Uh, yeah, so it's a it's a black poster. It has the Star Wars racetrack uh, logo. It says Return of the Jedi in red in the center. And then it says uh, Sweepstakes in white. And there's a picture of Darth Vader, uh, the, the bust of Darth Vader uh, in the center. And then on the right is Admiral Ackbar, and on the left is Nine Numb. And it says five grand prizes. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, it's... Out of all the artwork I've owned, it's by far my favorite, whatever, the, the detail. And the fact that it's all done in marker. It's not painted yeah. or whatever. It, it's it's insane. And then from there, the actual poster uses the the photos of, yeah, yeah, of the characters, like movie stills or whatever. Just you know, or character stills from the films or whatever. It, I'm not sure why because the artwork's actually better than the movie stills. But I digress. Very cool, Mark Vanis, Come here for a sec. Okay. So why are you why are you friends with the gentleman who single handedly destroyed? No, uh, no. So um, I want to ask you the same question. Like, what is a piece that you own right now? It could be Star Wars. You know, it could be anything else that you just really like right now. Something that that either means something to you or that you uh, you just look at it and you just you just kind of love it. It's part of your collection. Oh man, I don't. It's like you're putting me on the spot, man. I don't know. I would say, like, probably my childhood stuff, just because I think I've got a lot of cool stuff. Prototype pieces. Sorry, I'm too far away from the mic. Uh, but, like, my childhood stuff is still the reason why I love it and collect all the stuff. So it's, I'm glad I kept that, or glad my parents kept it, I guess. So. Do, you, do you have most of your uh, childhood stuff? Yeah, pretty much everything, yeah. Yeah. And is there a particular piece that means more to you than, than the rest? <laughs> Usually, I mean, with our childhood stuff, we, we kind of bunch it all into it being our childhood stuff, especially as we get older, but... Uh, I had a Vader with no cape that, like, the head broke off at, like, 17 times, and my mom re-glued it. <laughs> but, but, yeah, I wouldn't worry about that. That was a whole... <laughs> but uh, like, that's probably the, one, the most memorable from my childhood. And uh, so it's the one piece I'm glad that I have. It's, like, all glued, and it looks like it's terrible. It would grade poorly at CIS. Ross, I don't know if it's an official grade or not, but uh, <laughs> he's not listening to me. But anyway, uh, yeah, it's qualified. <laughs> qualified kid grade. Uh, but that's, I mean, that's probably the one piece. And there's a bunch of random, like, Bib Fortuna and Weequay and, yeah, some really bad figures. <laughs> but, you know. Is there, is there anything that you've gotten in, say, like, the last, or say this year, in, in 2019, anything that you've picked up? Um, so Mark does a podcast with a gentleman that will title Adam... What, what do you call Saker. Saker, Adam Saker, uh, on Facebook, and uh, it's called the, the Toy Archives, and it's really incredible. Um, they they sit for about an hour each time, and they talk passionately about pieces that they've picked up, things that they love. That's code. That's code word for swearing a lot. <laughs> they, they do. On the SDQ podcast. This is code word for swearing all the time. Yeah. But but reviews with people are. That's like I listen to this in my truck with my kids. Like, sorry, man. Like, anyway, I digress. But so it, but they. But they they always talk passionately about pieces that they've picked up recently or things that they've been hunting for. Is there anything that you've picked up in 2019 uh, that has really uh, stuck out to you that you can share? I don't even know. I'm trying to think. 
Trent, we need you. We're leaving. Sorry, the podcast's over. Can we pause? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. All right. Thank you. Wrap it up, boys. And see. Everyone just on the count of three, just, just shout out a big good night. One, two, three. Good night. And like that, the evening had ended. Dan Loisel and I said goodnight to the rest of the group as they headed out on their next crazy endeavor, and we drove back to the hotel. Dan works literally down the street from me in New York City, and we became friends over the course of the year through hanging out at places like Celebration Chicago and at some of the local Empire State Club events. When we arrived at the hotel, Dan wasn't ready to go to sleep just yet, and he thought he'd take a stroll over to the adjacent hotel to see if anyone was at the bar. I was pretty tired from my flight and from the torrent pace of my time in Nashville thus far, and I wished him a good evening and headed up to my room. Swiping my keycard, the door unlocked loudly. Kyle stuck his head out of the entrance to his bedroom, and I felt horrible for waking him up. He got up just to make sure I was able to get in the room okay, and I thanked him and gave him a handshake and a hug goodnight. As I quickly gobbled down two of the Hostess chocolate cupcakes from our junk food stash, I put everything away that I had laid out on my bed when we first arrived. I stopped for a second and glanced around the room. It was just nice to be away, from work, from the stresses of the daily and weekly responsibilities, and to be back in Nashville again. These trips do what the Star Wars films have always done for us. They give us a chance to step outside of our lives for a bit outside of our minds that constantly run, and they allow us to escape and to let go of reality, albeit briefly. And really, that's all we need sometimes. And once my bed was finally free from clutter again, I turned off the lights and I thanked God for Kyle, for Matt, for Trent and Corey, and for everyone who had been at their house that night. I prayed for all of the people flying and driving to Nashville, that we'd all have a really nice time together, and that we'd stay safe throughout the weekend— and finally that we'd return safely to our homes and to our families when it was over. I prayed for Mike and for all of the performers, volunteers, vendors, and guests, and that the ICCC would be a blessing in many different ways to many different people. And as I climbed into bed, I looked around the room one last time before closing my eyes, knowing that when I opened them, from that point on, the rest of the trip would be a beautiful blur. <laughs>